Amen. All right, Bobby, you ready for this one? All right, this is up to you, buddy. It was your average morning with people sleeping in their beds. They were dreaming pleasant dreams before heading off to another hectic day at work. But little did they know that a full-blown nightmare was looming on the horizon. At 3.42 a.m. that very morning, morning, an unbelievable jolt struck just outside this industrial city with a population listed of nearly one million people. And because of its timing, the destruction was made easy because it struck in the middle of the night, which meant almost everyone in the city was still asleep. So most people, unfortunately, were crushed to death without ever even waking up. And even for the fortunate few who survived being crushed to death, their fate wasn't much better because the power got knocked out, which made rescue efforts impossible in the dark, and therefore many of them were left entombed within the debris. And as the dust had finally settled, the damage was assessed, the once thriving city had become a wasteland, listen, of virtually 180,000 buildings completely demolished. And the loss of life was horrifying with the lives of almost 500,000 people being snuffed out just like that. The year was 1976. The disaster was an earthquake. The place was Tangshan, China. Now, I was prepared that if somebody actually got that, I'd take it to the potluck next door but, uh, <laughs> as a treat. But wow. How many guys ever heard of the earthquake in Tangshan, China in the 70s? Not even one. Oh, praise God, my nephew, which we'll talk about that later. But uh, I don't know how he knew that, but he apparently he goes to a good school. Uh, but anyway, but uh, no, but I think what we can agree on is, hello, that earthquake, hello, 500,000 people, 180,000 buildings. That was one of the worst disasters of all time. Amen? Unfortunately, okay? And again, you guys know the theme with all due respect to those who lost their lives in the Tangshan earthquake. What if I were to tell you I know of a disaster that makes that Chinese earthquake look like a child's burp? Okay, And what if I were to tell you that this disaster didn't occur at just one place, at one country, at one time, but it's going on right now, today, all over the world, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries. Folks, once again, we are talking about the satanic war on the Christian. And here's the facts, folks, whether we like it or not. Every day, we Christians go to war. We go to battle every single day. Okay, Whether you see it, feel it, believe it or not, the moment you got saved, believe it or not, you entered into a spiritual war against a real, live, actual demonic host whose sole purpose is to destroy you and to extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. So in order for you and I to stop getting duped and unnecessarily beat up all over the place, spiritually as Christians, we're going to continue our study, the satanic war on the Christian. Now we've already seen it's a war. It's a battle. We're soldiers. We're warriors for Christ. I'm not making this up. That's the biblical terminology. And so it's common sense. If you put yourself in that military mindset, we're in a war, so you want to win. Anybody want to win? You want to be losing? Hello, we're going to win, all right? Now we've already won through Jesus Christ, but before he comes back and gets us, the first thing we saw, if you're going to win that war, is you need to know who your enemy is. What do we see was the problem? 65% of the American church no longer believes in a literal devil. In fact, the latest stat, if that one's correct, it's way worse than that. 91 to 99% do not believe in a literal devil. They don't even know who their enemy is. He's having a heyday. We'll see that again, Lord willing, today. The second thing is what your enemy is like. What, their, what is their character, okay? He is evil, and his evil emissaries, the demons, okay? Then we saw the third thing was the tactic of the enemy. How are they going to come against us? And then the last three times, we saw the destruction of the enemy, the price we will pay. If we ignore the reality of what the Bible calls spiritual warfare, right? We are the only ones, entities, who fight a war on three fronts. Every day we get out of bed, we go to war against this wicked world system, our own wicked old man flesh nature, and, believe it or not, satanic warfare. Okay, spiritual warfare, and that's going to happen. And what we saw last time is the way that he does that, okay, is he gets to turn us into a compromising Christian. That was the third destruction that will happen to you, okay? And we saw he will actually trick us into no longer denying our flesh, but feeding our flesh. And he does that with that process of desensitization with the media, 
right, with that. And then he also gets us uh, to fall for the trap that, you know what, don't own up to sin, just rationalize it, redefine it. No, no, be radically tolerant. You need to, you can't judge anyone, right? Everything goes. That's a lie from the pit of hell, okay, as we saw before. And then he gets us into the trap. He comes in for the kill. When he gets us to not only not uh, refrain from a life of sin, he gets us to doubt God's forgiveness of sin. And there we saw that even though the Bible says if you sin, how many guys blew it today so far? Praise God. you got a bunch of liars out here. You just blew it. But anyway, that's right. No, hopefully. Uh, but, but hey, we're Christians. We're going to blow it, right? But what's the good news? Do what the Bible says. If you confess your sins, God is what? He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive you of all your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So what? You just get back up and keep moving forward, right? But see, that's what the enemy does. He gets you to doubt God's forgiveness. Oh, you blew it too big this time, Christian. Oh, God can't use you now. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Confess your sins. Get back up. We need you on the front line. Okay, don't compromise on God's truth. Okay, but that's not all. The fourth destruction that he will cause when we don't take spiritual warfare serious, he will then turn you into a corruptive Christian. Oh, well, that's right. <laughs> right? Oh, see, he doesn't want to just destroy you. He wants you to destroy other people too and them to do, and cut us a big giant fight. And of all things for Jesus to pray for, I don't think it was my chance. It was unity. But as always, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his. Open your Bibles to John 17 is our opening text. John 17. And uh, if you find John, what do you do? 17. Or tell him to get in here. The service has already started. He's late. And, uh, but the book of John, yes, Bobby. Uh, chapter 17, right? Let's turn there. Verses 20 through 23. Now, in the context here, if you guys aren't familiar with this passage here, awesome prayer uh, from Jesus. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for, believe it or not, you and I even today. But let's go ahead and stand as we get ready to read God's holy word. John 17, verses 20 through 23. Of all things for Jesus to pray for us today, 2,000 years ago, what was it? Let's pay attention. Here's what he says. My prayer is uh, not for them alone. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, who's that? That's us, all right? And then he says that all of them may be one, okay? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what's the purpose? Why does he want us to be one? It's a witness. So they know it's real, right? They've never seen, how many guys have ever seen Jesus? Please don't raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to help you out this morning, right? All right, so guess what? So we got to receive it by faith, right? So, but how, what's the living proof that it's real? Us and us dwelling together in unity. In fact, he not only says it once, he says it a second time. Father, just as uh, you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I uh, have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you and me. May they be brought to listen, not just unity, but what? complete unity to, again, let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You may be seated. But again, what's the biblical rule? When something is repeated more than once in the Bible, what's God saying? Pay attention. Alert, alert. Okay, danger, danger. You know, right? No, it's, it's God's way of getting our attention. That's the biblical rule. So just in three verses, what? Jesus not only said it once, he said it more than once. How many times? He says, listen, I want you to be one. Of all things for him to pray for, it was for us to drive Cadillacs. No, I need a new Armani suit. No, if you just got enough faith, you can have that man. Of all things for Jesus to pray for us today, we need to be one. We need to be unified. And again, he said it not just once. He said it more than once. And then he says, why? So that the world may know 
that he is real. We're the living proof, folks, believe it or not, okay, that Jesus is real, the gospel is real, okay, because guess what? It's the old uh, uh, phrase, right? Sometimes did you realize that we are the only Bible that some people will ever read? And what are they reading? And it's not just us individually, it's how we interact corporately when we come together, right? And when we're dwelling in unity and we're having fun and it's fellowshipping and people care, what a concept, and they're unified and they're one, what's the law say? Whoa! I guess Jesus is real. He really does change hearts, change lives. I mean, look at all these people. These people are all messed up. Let's just close in prayer. I'm going down the hole. But no, no, they come from different backgrounds and, and different pedigrees and, and different colors and different sizes and different shapes and all that. And what, are you serious? They even get along. Wow, you don't, you, you don't find that in the world. But man, I'm seeing it here in the church. Jesus must be real. Something as simple as us dwelling together in unity. So here's, here's the phrase. Jesus lays on the line. He declares, if the world is ever going to believe in him whom they've never seen, then we, his church, must dwell together in unity. You got it? That's the whole crux of this study. So guess who also knows this truth? The devil's right? He knows it's a powerful way to share the gospel. So what do you think he's going to go for? He's going to go for the throne. He's going to get us to do everything but be one. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the first way that he is tricking you in from being a unified Christian, a peacemaker, okay, he turns you into a troublemaker, he gets you to become a corruptive Christian when you start sounding more like Satan than your Savior. This is the first step, right? It's a three-step process I've noticed over the years, okay? Now, the first definition of the word corruption means this, to change from good to bad. Listen, to become tainted or rotten, right? It's just like Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Keep feeling cruddy. Yeah, whatever, I digress. But anyway, so I said, change from good or bad to become tainted or right. And this is one of the first things he does to keep us from becoming a unified, mighty army, a powerful witness to the lost. And he throws out the bait. Maybe you've heard this voice go through your head before. You're sitting there in services, you're in the right place, but all of a sudden he says, hey, listen, you don't want to be labeled as those mindless, brainless, brainwashed religious types who never gets to say what's on your mind. I mean, after all, you know what's best. I think you better say something about it. Anyway, hey, listen, a corruptive mouth, I mean, it's no big deal. It doesn't hurt anybody, right? Wrong. You better be very careful about the words coming to your mouth because the devil knows that a corruptive mouth leads to corruption. And the first uh, way of corruption is he gets you to start thinking like the devil. How did I even get in that state where I'm saying, you, you, you? He first starts with your mind. Just like that lady, it's all about me, right? And that's the first process, okay? He gets us, we'll sit here, we're in services, right? We should come here, it's all about God, it's not about us. But all of a sudden, here comes that train of thought. It's all about me. We focus on ourselves, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. It's all about our will, our way, our likes, our dislikes. Listen, when it comes to a church services. I'm not just talking in life in general. I'm talking about when you come to a church service, you enter in with this mindset, it's all about me. And I hope they've got this whole service arranged around me. Now, we've seen before, folks, that is the number one law of Satanism. Right? Do what you will shall be the whole of the law. It's all about you. That is the number one law of Satanism, okay? And oh, by the way, we've seen how many times before? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. What caused the fall of Satan? I will be like God. I'll be like the Most High. I will ascend. I, that came from Satan. And he gets Christians to come to church services with I, with self on the throne. Now, here's the problem. When self is on the throne, it shuts you off from the Word of God. Let me, let me explain how this happens. I got it nailed down, I think. 
Okay? But first, let's remind ourselves, why do we need to come and hear the word of God? Okay? Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says about that. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way what? Pure, not corrupt, in other words. How, well, by what? By living according to your word, the Bible, okay? And so, therefore, I seek you, God, with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my what? Heart. Why? So that that's right if I ever get on Jeopardy. And I get that double daily column. Man, I'm going to beat these people. <laughs> I hope they have that Bible column because I'm, ama- I'm going to amaze my Sunday school class because I always get the right answers. I know what Moses' dog's favorite brand of ice cream was. Moses probably didn't have a dog, and believe it or not, they didn't have ice cream in the desert. For those of you wondering, okay, excuse me. No, what did he say? That I might, why do we come and study the Word of God? That I might not sin against you, okay? The Bible says that the Word of God not only shows us what sin is, but believe it or not, the more you get into it, it keeps us from sin. When we think upon the Word of God, it protects us from a life of corruption, Get it? Keeps us on the straight and narrow. And so the devil knows this, right? And so he can't necessarily stop you from going to a church service. He can't necessarily stop you from going to a church service that's preaching the word of God that protects your life from corruption. So here's what he does. As soon as those doors open, you come through that sanctuary, all of a sudden, it's about me. In fact, I just saw the first violation. It happened today. Somebody sat my pew. <laughs> and then it goes downhill from there. Right? And if you think I'm kidding, I noticed that there's some people sitting in some other people's pews. Because <laughs> we got guests today. <laughs> right? And I'm telling you folks, once we start getting with this mindset, me, 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 your mind isn't on the word of God. I mean, it's, pre- it's being preached to you. It's a benefit to you. God's word protects you from corruption. But you ain't thinking about it. You're sitting right there. The propensity to be blessed is all over you, man. It's right in front of you. You're not getting nothing. Because your brain is so now wrapped around me, myself, and I. And all these violations of myself. Oh, let me expand on it. I've learned a couple of phrases over the years from certain folks. You know, they might say something like this. They know they're setting my pew. Well, hey, wait a second. Now that you mention, how come, why don't you preach on this? Or, hey, why don't you teach on that? I didn't come here to listen to this. I don't want to come and hear that. Hey, listen, how come we got to sing that song? I don't like that song. How come we got to sing songs like that? I want to sing songs. I don't like those kinds. Hey, who moved the flowers? The flowers have changed today. What's going on? I, I think we should move on. Oh, no, it's supposed to go. The flags. Who took the flags? The flags. The flags ain't over there. I can't. Well, hey, the piano. The piano used to be over here. Who moved the piano? Where'd the organ go? There's a devil in the house of God. Yeah, maybe it's you. And we laugh about it because it's so true. But sometimes that train of thought, now praise God, mostly it's, it's not vocalized. But it's being the, played in your head, isn't it? The whole time you're sitting there, the whole time during the service, you could be having a great time, praise God, singing songs of Jesus because you love him. Ooh, here comes the word of God to protect you from life of corruption. Yeah, you ain't getting nothing. It's going in one ear out the other because he's got you locked into that mindset, me. And then that's all you can focus on is all these violations of me. I've shared this at least once a year. Apparently, we're due for it again. To encapsulate this truth happens all the time. Every church I've ever pastored, I've seen this so many times, and it breaks your heart. But it's encapsulated in this story. Two guys, Jim Smith, 
he went to a church service on Sunday morning, and man, he heard the organist miss a note during the prelude, and he winced. And then he saw a teenager talking when everybody was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. Oh, the audacity. And then he felt like the usher was watching to see what he put in the offering plate, and it made him boil. And then he caught the preacher making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. Good thing he didn't come here. He'd be up to 500. (laughs) Anyway, so listen, as he slipped out the door uh, during the closing hymn, he muttered to himself, never again. What a bunch of clods and hypocrites. Well, another guy, Ron Jones, he went to a church service one Sunday morning. He heard the organist play an arrangement of a mighty fortress. And man, he was thrilled at the majesty of it. And then he heard a, a young girl take a moment in the service to speak a simple message of how her faith had made a difference in her life. And he was glad to see that the church was sharing a special offering for the hungry children in Nigeria. And he especially appreciated that sermon that Sunday because it answered a question that had been bugging him for a long time. And as he walked out the doors, he says, man, how can a man come here and not feel the presence of God? Now, you know the punchline. Both men went to the same church service on the same Sunday morning. And each one found what they were looking for. And so the question is, what are we looking for on Sunday mornings. Folks, the reason why we gather together for church services is not about personal satisfaction. It's about personal transformation. And that comes when we hear the word of God. But I'm telling you, folks, it's a trap. If all we think about is I will, our way, our likes, our likes, and all this, man, you'll be in the right place, all right, but you'll never get a thing. And you'll leave here with the impression, what a bunch of clods. When the whole time, the blessing was all around you. But you got tricked into shutting it off. That's step number one. Starts in the mind, right? Now, the second corruption is you don't just keep it in your mind. Sometimes it gets so pent up because my way is being violated. Then now, oh boy, what's the Bible say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh-oh, then you start talking like the devil. Uh-oh, right? Because, man, you, gotta, you can't just accept this lying down. Right? Somebody's got to know about this. Well, this is why the Bible says when it comes to your mouth, Right? Uh, but I don't have time to quote that passage. James 3, what's he say? He says, the mouth, the tongue, who, who can tend that thing? Right? He says, that thing's like a, a set on fire from hell itself. Right? You can do good things with it, bad things. And Paul says, as Christians, you need to be doing nothing but good things with your mouth. And this is what we see in this passage here, Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any, how much? Any, none, zippo, nada, not one word should ever come out of your mouth, Christian. Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Nothing, ever. There's no excuse. That's what Paul says. Why? Because here's the only thing that should be coming out of your mouth. Christian, what did Jesus pray for? Us to be unified, right? To what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. The only thing the Bible says that should be coming out of our mouth, okay, is positive words. Now, this is a deep, deep, deep truth. So I want you guys to pay attention. Here's why. Because positive words create positive results Negative words create negative results. How many guys figured that out without any help? Is that amazing? Wow, what a profound truth. It's common sense, right? Right? Because we wake up every day going, man, I hope somebody just shreds me apart and says nothing but negative. Whoa, bring it on. Yeah. Nobody likes being berated. And certainly as Christians, when we come gather together, what's the last thing you should do? In fact, not just the last thing you should do, what he say? Never. Any. Never. The only thing come out of your mouth, Christian? It better benefit that person. Now, it doesn't mean you can't speak up if somebody does. We'll get to that in a second. 
okay, but not sitting there shredding each other apart. And, and the devil knows this, folks. He knows his positive, encouraging words, listen, that build a powerful unity in the church, the very thing that Jesus prayed for. So here's what he does. He simply gets us to do the opposite, right? He gets us to use the words not to build each other up, but to tear each other down. There's a multitude of ways he does that, but I'm just going to give you one, and it's this one. dun da 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 Gossiping. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it's called convicting, okay? And the devil knows this, folks. He knows, listen, it's step one. I'm telling you, it's a step-by-step process. First of all, he comes in. He knows the propensity. Every single time we gather together, the word of God's being preached. There's godly worship music centered on God and Jesus Christ is being sung. We're having fellowship. People are getting loved. They're being encouraged to one another. We're exercising our gifts to one another. It's awesome. It's great. He first gets you to say, no, me. And then once me kicks in and stays in and keeps that tape going, oh, you can only take it so much because they're still there sitting in the pew. They should know that's my spot. Look at them. I've been watching for 15 minutes. Nothing's changed. Must be a pagan. See, we can't take it. We can't take it. You keep that tape playing, it's moving to stage two, it's going to start coming out of your mouth. You start complaining. He turned to that person. I've been coming here since. I mean, I played with Ham, Shim, and Japheth. You know, after the flood, I've been. They were my. Fr- I've been here longer than anybody else. That's my spot. And you got to tell that person, right? And so now, I mean, they were enjoying the service. They were being blessed, but no, no, not now because it came out of your mouth. And so now they're distracted, right? Well, then if that person gets infected, guess what they do? Hey, did you hear a lot of stories? He's the guy in the pew, man. He's been here since the flood of Noah. He wanted a crime, right? And then he goes, oh, that, yeah. Hey, what'd you guys say? Hey, did you hear about God in the pew? And have you ever noticed it never stays the same? I actually, I'm not making this up. The first senior pastor I was at, I kid you not, I had a phone call. I got a phone call. I was, hey, Pastor Billy, hurry, get to the hospital. So-and-so had a major, massive heart attack, and he's about to die. So, all right, get the hospital. You know what it was? It was by the time it got to me, because it went from here to here to this person to that person, this person, you know what I mean? The guy stubbed his toe. <laughs> I am not making this up. But that's what happens, folks. One negative word goes from one person's mouth into another person's brain. Then they start getting negative. They're distracted. They ain't getting nothing. Then they start speaking with their mouth. And on and it goes to another person's brain. Next thing you know, one negative mouth from one negative mindset, because it's all about me, myself, and I, and how dare you violate myself. Gossip destroys. And that's why the Bible is very blunt about it. That's one of the worst things you could ever do. It'll destroy a church, a family, a marriage, a company, you name it. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about that behavior. Proverbs eleven thirteen: a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Chrome translation keeps your mouth shut, right? What did Ken say yesterday at the wedding reception for those of you there? My mom told me, if you ain't got nothing to say, then don't say it. Right? And he said it just like that, right? Pretty much, all right, right? But, uh, <laughs> right? So, hey, listen, what? Don't let anything unwholesome come in your mouth. Proverbs 16, 20, a perverse. What kind of a person? That's perverse. Person stirs up a conflict. What are you doing? You know that's going to cause trouble. What are you doing that? Yeah, it's perverse. And a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 20, 19, a gossip betrays confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. I kid you not. Here's another story. This was from New York. Maybe I'll eventually get to here. <laughs> Lady was gossiping in the church, right? And I just heard a broadcast on the radio 
right? The guy says that he had a, a lady who just constantly gossiping, whatever. And what's, what's the Bible say? What do you do with somebody who's gossiping? Well, first of all, you need to confront them in love. But in general, if, if, what, with their behavior, what's it say? Avoid them. Don't feed into it. Avoid them, right? He said, man, she was, she'd chase him down because he said, here she comes. He'd be going the other way, <laughs> right? He'd come around the next night, and there she comes. He goes, hmm, he'd go hide in his office. Right? Avoid somebody, right? Because they're coming after you, right? And that's the temptation. I don't have time to get into it, but the Bible says gossip is like a tasty morsel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I just got to hear it. But see, you don't just digest it, then you start sharing it. So avoid somebody who's doing that. Proverbs 26, 20, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. How come, God, my marriage, there's so many fires in the company. It's all messed up in the church or my family. Just fire after fire. Just, you put one out, here comes somebody's gossiping what it is i didn't say that god did you know you want to knock it out then stop gossiping it'll go down romans 129 they become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed depravity they're full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they're gossips why would gossip be on the list with murder because you're murdering with your mouth okay and let me give you another one second corinthians 12 20 for i'm afraid that when i come i may not find paul says is uh i want you to be and you may not find me as you want me to be i'm going to bring out the the spanking in other words i fear that there may be what discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition slander gossip arrogance and disorder and he's writing to the church because unfortunately that goes on in churches but i don't know just a cursory study old testament new testament gossip is one behavior that you don't want to be a part of folks it destroys everything it touches right it's unwholesome don't do that it destroys families marriages churches companies you name it okay and, and again it, it, let me take nothing for granted gossip is simply talking negative about a person behind their back to another person that's it I, i'm trying to keep it simple but gossip is simply talking negative about a person behind their back to another person. And granted, I, in years of ministry, I've seen people get creative with how they deal with gossips. One guy, this was his technique, check this out. One day there was this lady, her name was Betty. And man, she was the town gossip. You ever run these folks? Right? She was the town gossip, and she was the self-appointed supervisor of the town's morals. And so she kept sticking her nose into other people's business. And so several of the local residents, obviously, they didn't appreciate her activities, but they feared her enough to maintain their silence. But she made the mistake of accusing a local man named Ted one day. And she said that Ted was an alcoholic. And she spread it all over town because she saw his pickup truck parked outside the town's only bar one afternoon. So Ted, being a man of few words, he stared at her a few, a few moments and, and then he just turned and walked away. But later that evening, he parked his pickup truck in front of her house and left it there all night. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, Ted is a genius. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. And again, it doesn't mean, like, like I said, it doesn't mean you always just got to avoid. You can't do that. You don't do eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. The Bible says if somebody's doing something wrong, sinning against you, hurting you, including the sin of gossip, here's what you do. You, Matthew 18, we've been through this before. You go to that person. And between you two, you try to work it out. Now, do you stop there if it doesn't work out? No. God's all about unity, reconciliation. He wants us to be unified. Okay? Gossip separates. So how do you come back together? Try to work it out between you two, number one. If that doesn't work, then you take somebody 
as a mediator and you go work it out. Step number two. And of course, if you want to make sure you get your way, you take that person who always agrees with you. <laughs> no, because that ain't right. That's not what he's talking about. Take somebody who's truly neutral. They're not picking sides. They're just delivering God's truth and encouraging both parties to follow that. Then if that still doesn't work, God still isn't done because he's all about unity and reconciliation. Then you take it to the leadership. I deal with this all the time. Pastor, really, you won't believe me. They sat in my pew. I can't take it anywhere. All Sunday, I sat in a foreign world. I couldn't focus. My left eye started to hurt. I'm used to looking out of the other eye. And I call it redirecting. And the whole time I say, well, did you talk to them? No, that's why I called you. I'm step three. And so, listen, I'm sorry. I'm not saying I don't care about you. I'll pray with you real quick. Do the right thing. But you need to go and do what the Bible says. And God will bless that. You go talk to that person. Right? And, of course, knock it off about the pew. Give me a break. Okay? But I'm talking about a, a more serious issue than that. But I call it redirecting. Right? And people didn't do They go straight for the leadership. No, that's step number three, okay? But that's what the Bible says. You go to that other person. And folks, it is a horrible, horrible sin. And you know what the irony is? The irony is we act like God, he doesn't see. God has no ears, apparently. Because when I speak, it's in a human bubble. No, God sees and hears it all. One guy puts it this way. Watch. He says, words reveal what is in your heart. And when we share them, there's no secret room discussion. There's no private whispering hallway rendezvous. There's no closed door conversation apart from God. Listen, there's no phone conversation. There's no text message, no social media account. Because he sees it all and he hears it all. In fact, listen, he says, scientists say that our voices set in motion sound waves. And those sound waves go on this endless journey through space. Now, had we instruments delicate enough to do it, we could listen, pick up every word uttered by every human being that has ever lived on the face of the earth since man was first created. Because technically, the words are still floating around in the universe. And he says this, listen, we can't cover, recover those words. But God can that's convicting. Now, as we close out on this, we'll move to the third and final one, the tactic, what it's leading to. Lest you think, folks, that this is really not a satanic, a demonic, a spiritual warfare issue, getting Christians to come with this selfish, self-centered mindset, me, 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 and then I've got to share with others, which is called gossiping. If you really don't think that's a tactic of destruction, then let's take a look. According to witchcraft, you can, we've seen this before, but according to witchcraft, take it for what it is, this is what they believe. The seven most powerful demons and what they do to destroy people's lives, churches, you name it. First of all, they believe there's reggae. He's the general of the occult. He deals with such drugs as marijuana, hashish, cocaine, speed, LSD, peyote, and mescaline. These are the drugs of sorcery used to attack the mind and what? To open it up for a demon to enter. We saw that before. That's one of the things that's being permeated in our society. And it's opening people up for demonic issues. They believe also there's a, a demon called Lars. He's the demon they teach. That is of sexual lust, homosexuality, adultery, other such sexual perversions. Then there's Bacchus. He's the demon of addictions such as drugs, smoking, and alcohol. There's Pan, where we get our word panic from. He's the demon of the mind, causing mental illness, depression, suicide, nerves, and rejection. Then there's this guy called Medit. He's the demon, listen, of hate and murder. Woo! Killing, war, jealousy, envy, and what? Gossip. Well, why... Oh, it's murder again. It's self, murder with your 
mouth. Oh, it gets even worse. In their set, they believe he's the demon of death, inciting wars, terrorism, and genocide, etc. And this one, I'm not making this up. Listen, they just call it the Christian demon. Listen to this. This particular demon has no set name. He's so powerful that most witches don't even bother him. Listen, his job is to weaken a Christian's walk with the Lord by making him content. That's good enough. I came once a month. Right, making them content, failing to live up to church commitments such as giving, soul winning, church participation, etc. However, according to witchcraft, one of his most destructive tactics is to get Christians to what? Talk about each other through gossiping and causing strife within the church. Seems to me that maybe this really is a spiritual issue. When you find somebody that constantly cannot shut their mouth off, and they're just causing trouble with their mouth wherever they go. You're not being a peacemaker. You're being a troublemaker. You got duped into thinking it's all about you. And since you got violated, you didn't get what you wanted, you opened your mouth and you started talking like the devil, causing destruction wherever you go. Not just a church, but everywhere. It's a spiritual warfare issue, and it will destroy the unity of a church, a home, a family, a company, you name it. The third and final one is, listen, it goes downhill as you go. You start thinking like the devil. You start talking like the devil. Then guess what? You start behaving like the devil. Okay? You start behaving more like Satan than your uh, Savior. Now, the second definition of the word corruption means to cause uh, disintegration or to ruin. To cause disintegration or to ruin. Now, listen, here's what he does with this one. He, he sets you up for this one. Right? He said, hey, listen, listen. I already talked to you about that sitting there, you know, being one of those brainwashed religious types, right? You never get to say what you want, right? Because after all, you know what's best in every situation, right? And, and they're not listening to you. I mean, you're, you're saying something about it. So you better listen. They're not doing anything. They're not taking that pew serious. You better get up and do something about it. Wow. Now you're really going over the edge. You start thinking like him. You start speaking like him. And if that still isn't enough, then you better get up and start doing something about it yourself. And see, isn't that the game? I've noticed this one. Oftentimes, if Christians, if we're guilty of this, right, we, we resort to what I call politics. Because, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but it wouldn't be very Christian if somebody sat in my pew and right in the middle of the sermon, I came over and I tackled them and gave them a headlock and started, you know, I just, that probably wouldn't go over too well. Ruined my reputation as a spiritual person. So you know what happens in churches, companies, families, you name it? Politics. See, if you talk to so-and-so, then so-and-so, what they'll do is they'll talk to so-and-so. Well, who's so-and-so? Well, so-and-so's the third cousin of that person sitting in that pew, right? And I hear they're going to have a family reunion on Wednesday. So what we do is we talk to them to talk to them over there. And then one, in case they don't listen to that third cousin, then we're going to get their neighbor over here who babysits their dogs on every Thursday on the third month. And then we're going to talk to them. We're going to make our case for them. And then they're going to talk to them. And then they're going to get the message. So by next Sunday, they're gone. I have seen it everywhere I've gone. And the whole time, here's the illusion. It sounds so spiritual. Because after all, you know what's best for the church. You know what's best for the company. And that's all you're doing is trying to make the church function better. That's the, that's the mask. That's the lie. It's all about you getting your way. Now, believe it or not, this is one thing 
It's one thing to think like the devil and speak like him, but when you're going and your behavior, you're doing this, and now you're causing destruction wherever you go. You're getting people involved, and you're cutting fires everywhere. God hates that. Sounds strong? I didn't say it. He did. Watch this. Okay, let's take a look. You start acting like the devil. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord, what? Hates. Seven that are, listen to that word, detestable to him. Here it is. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a who? A man or woe man who stirs up dissension among brothers. See, if you talk to them, and then that there, and they'll get across in there, and you go, hey, haven't you? I tell you, hey, too, you look at that, and you're stirring up dissension. With your God hates it, is detestable to him. Because again, if you want to be put on God's bad list, do that. Okay, which I don't recommend. Okay, and the devil knows this, so here's what he does. That's exactly what he gets us to not only think like him, he gets us to talk like him, and then that's not enough. Then listen, listen, next thing you know, that person does it and it stirs up that person over there, then that person does it, but then this person hears about it, and then they can't believe they're doing that, so then they get upset, so then they grab their group of people. The next thing you know, you go to a church and it's full of these cliques, and these people hate these people. I can't stand that person, and it's got this click over here. And then when you arrive on the scene, they say, Hey, Pastor, don't you? And then you got to play the game. Well, which one's really the sinner? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? It's like CSI. Because the church has been duped spiritually into creating these cliques of support with, and it's all self-agendas. It's not what does God say, what is best for the church truly according to God's word, what has God called us to do, how does God say we're supposed to, oh no, it's all about self. And they gather their support, and there's divisions all over the place. And listen, you know what's going on the whole time? The devil is laughing his guts out. You know why? Because listen, because listen, he knows that if we and I start getting focused on ourselves, then we're going to start sharing that with our mouth. Then we're going to start, listen, fighting with each other. And the whole time when we Christians are fighting with each other, guess who we're not fighting against? The devil. See how simple that was? He's very cunning. He's deceitful. The Bible says that for a reason. We're so stinking busy fighting each other. We never fight him. Oh, and by the way, you know what he just destroyed? Our witness. Have you ever gone into one of those churches? You go in there, and it's like, man, you could cut it with a knife. There is something funky going on here. Something spiritually is messed up, right? In fact, sometimes it ain't a knife. It's a chainsaw. I don't know what's going on here, but whoa, there's some serious oppression going on. And if I was a non-Christian, what impression would I have? What a bunch of baloney. You guys don't look like Jesus. You don't sound like Jesus. You can't even stand each other. And it's so stinking apparent, it's all over the place. First internship. I won't tell you what church it was. First internship. I'm not making this up. I was sitting on the front row. I didn't know better. <laughs> I'm a young, new Christian. Right? I was actually excited. My wife and I were there. I was excited. I was sitting on the front row. And... Uh, this is the first business meeting of, of a church. I've never been to one before. This is going to be awesome. Great time of fellowship. Yeah. I'm on the front row, right? And man, they got that meeting started. Robert's Rules of Order. Got it going. And man, here comes the yelling. Here comes the screaming. I mean, people were yelling, rah, 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 rah. and then the, the church had uh, uh, extended to us a, a stipend, right? 
and uh, which basically for, I was uh, teaching the youth at that time, so I didn't ask for it. They wanted to, to bless us with a stipend to pay for help my tuition and books and stuff of that nature, right? And so that topic came up. They were already being, oh, God, God. I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen now, right? And so sure enough, the guy sitting right next to me, he goes, who in the world is this Billy Crone? I've never heard of Billy Crone. Why should we pay him? And I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm right, he's right next to me. <laughs> I kid you, it just was one thing after another thing after another thing. I'm not joking you. I kid you not. I'm sitting there as a brand spanking new Christian, probably nine months old and more, and I sit there, and I'm already squished down on my pew hoping nobody sees me, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh, God, I'm not kidding you. I kept praying, God, please don't let a non-Christian come in here. God, please don't let a non-Christian come here. God, please don't let a non-Christian come in here. God, please don't let him come. Because that's what it does. It destroys. It destroys over and over and over again. Now, I'm going to skip ahead for the sake of time because this is where I want us to be. Why, of all things, did Jesus pray for us to be unified? It's a witness. Certainly, it's our benefit. I don't know about you, but we've already been through that stage, praise God. But we're unified. God's blessing us. And it's awesome coming here, isn't it? Is it just me? Right? And I'm not saying we're perfect. Every church, you know, there's the old axiom. If you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. And so will I. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Okay, I get that. But man, things are going great. But it wasn't always that way. But what brought the unity? We elevated the word of God. This is what God says to do. This is what God says to teach. This is what God says. You're like-minded in Christ. It brought together unity. And I don't know about you, but I want to keep it. So we, get, we need to pay attention to this. So my point is this. If Christians are, we're going to fight... We need to fight for each other, not against each other, like this family did. ดูแลพี่เพชรต่อไปไม่ไหวแล้วนะไม่ต้องทํางานคอยก็ต้องทํางานลูกเราก็ต้องรอว่าเราดีงั้นไม่ต้องเสียใจหรอกนะลูกน
tăng Đây เซ็งบอกว่ามีศูนย์ดูแลผู้ป่วยโรคพาร์กินสันแล้วไงเราน่าจะพาพี่เพชรไปอยู่ที่นั่นมีพี่ชายใช่ไหมจะให้ใครเอาไปดูแลเธอรู้ไหมที่เขาเป็นแบบนี้เพราะใคร
That's what the world's waiting to see. If we're going to step in the ring, it's not because we're beating each other up. That's from Satan. We fight for each other. I got your back. And we work together to maintain the unity and do what it takes to keep that atmosphere strong. Let's be that church. Things are going great. But let's maintain it. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin, then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this. Number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.